Open your Bibles to Revelation. First chapter. Revelation, first chapter. First verse. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. Things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by the angel, by his angel, to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ and to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and who hears the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is here to instruct us your word is here to edify us. Your word is here to teach us. Your word is a light for us to follow. And God, we ask tonight that that word might come alive for us. That we might be edified as a body of Christ. And that each one of us would be ministered to as only you can minister to us. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. Give us a heart to receive it. And then give us determination after we've heard the Word of God to do the Word of God. Lord, may your blessings be upon everything that's said. May this pastor be under your anointing to preach the word in Jesus' name. Amen. It says here in verse number four, it says, Grace to you and peace from him who is who was, and who is to come. Then it goes on to say, from the seven spirits who are before the throne. And I believe that the seven spirits that John spoke of refers to none other than the Holy Spirit. I believe that the seven expressions of the Holy Spirit 
are what is being talked about here. And there's seven major ways in which he imparts godliness to the life of the believer. And there's seven forms in which the Holy Spirit appears in ministry to men and women. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about the seven spirits of God, the seven aspects of the Holy Spirit. The first one is found in Hebrews 10:29. Hebrews 10 and verse 29. It says, How much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy of who has trans uh, let's see, who has trans uh, trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and here's it, here it is, and has insulted the Spirit of grace. I believe that one of the aspects of the Holy Spirit is that he's the Spirit of grace. Okay? You see, no man can come to the Father except the Spirit draws. How does the Father draw people to himself? Well, by his Spirit. Look at John 16 and verse 8. John 16 and verse 8. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the rulers of this world is judged. When the Holy Spirit comes, he brings conviction of sin. Do you remember what it was like before you got saved? And and uh, all of a sudden, you begin to be convicted of all the rotten things you were involved in. You see, godly repentance is not something that we should shy away from. This is brought on to us by the Holy Spirit. And when you feel the Holy Spirit dealing with your heart, you need to respond to that conviction. He not only convicts you before you come to salvation, he'll convict you of sin after you come to salvation. And it's a terrible thing to quench the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. We need to respond to that Spirit of grace. God has through his Son, given us 
a free gift of eternal life, forgiveness of sins. But we have to respond to the wooing of the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit in our life, and we need to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that my spirit will not always strive with man. There is a time when grace is going to come to an end. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to get right with God. Today is the day to respond to the wooing of the Holy Spirit. I don't know why, and it's something that God has laid on my heart here lately, but I believe in altar calls. I believe that people ought to weep around the altars. I believe that they ought to be under the power of the Holy Spirit and they ought to be broken before God. And yet, I see altar calls and I see people sitting in their seat. They were, they, they were like they were nailed to their seat. You couldn't move them out of their seat. And I was so taken with that Friday night I knew that there was young people in that service that needed to come to that altar and they, would re they were refusing the wooing of the Holy Spirit. I, I pray that God in this church would begin to have people be so responsive to the Holy Spirit that whenever an altar call is given, that they're, they're, they're not going to lag back there and wait for someone else to come. They're going to flock up around this altar and spend that time uh, before God, broken before God, letting God speak to them and speaking to God. And, and uh, just because you come to this altar doesn't mean, well, you're less spiritual than someone else. It means you're more spiritual because you're giving in to the wooing of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of grace. So when you feel that tug on your heart, don't just sit there. Move out. Give in. That's a, that's a mark of a real spiritual person. When the Spirit begins to draw you, you just go regardless of what anyone else is doing. Amen? Hallelujah. Got to have it. The second uh, aspect of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the seven spirits of God for Carol, who just, just now came in. That's all right. We just want to bring you up to date, dear. Uh, we're talking about the seven spirits of God, or the seven aspects of God. The first is that he's the spirit of grace. The second is he's the spirit of life. Second Corinthians chapter 3. And verse 6, talking about God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit does what? Gives life. The Spirit is not one who is a do and don't type thing. 
That's the law. You shall not, you shall. Okay? The spirit is a spirit that is within you. And it's a life-giving spirit. It's no longer do's and don'ts, but everything is yea and amen in Jesus Christ. We're, we're living according to the power of God. We're not under the law. We're above the law. We are under the law of liberty. Jesus Christ has set us free. If they had do's and don'ts on their life to control it, we have a spirit that controls us. He quickens your mortal body. And it's not just at death or after death, not just when Jesus comes back for his church is he going to quicken your mortal body. Your mortal body is quickened now. I mean, when he speaks to you, you move. You're animated. You are made to move by the power of God. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And Christ is motivating me. Christ is um, uh, telling me where to go. He's guiding me. He's directing me. He's a life-giving spirit. Romans 8.11 says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. Praise God. And the Holy Spirit is compared to the wind. You don't know where it's going to blow. You can't see it. But you go out here when the wind's blowing and you can feel it. Amen? And he's compared to the wind. He's compared to breath. When our breath is gone, we don't have any life. When the Spirit's gone, we're not, we don't have any life either. We're dead. We just don't have sense enough to lay down. Amen. The word is pneumaticos. You all know what a, what a pneumatic hammer is, don't you? It's one of those air hammers, you know? And boy, that'll really get you going. And it doesn't work. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's an unseen power. You can't see it, but He's there. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He didn't say that you were going to go out and witness. He said you will be a witness. Something happens deep within your heart and you become a witness because the life, that spirit, that same spirit that quickened his mortal body will quicken your mortal body. Hallelujah. You don't have to work at witnessing. Just yield to the spirit. It's a life-giving spirit. <coughs> Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Praise God. Thirdly, He's the Spirit of adoption. 
Romans 8, 15. For you, did, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. When we've done wrong, we don't tremble and become fearful. We just begin to cry out, Oh, Lord, Abba, Father, help me. You know, when, you're, when your little child comes along and, and they can't help themselves, and, and, and before they even learn to talk, they just put their hands up. And you know that they want you to take them. And the same thing happens in the spirit realm. You, that spirit that dwells within you just cries out for the Father. And I want you to know that that's a very intimate word there, Abba, Father. That's not just Father. It's maybe it could be translated Daddy. Daddy. Father. You're, you're on a personal relationship with God. And you know that he loves you. And you know that he cares. And your spirit is in touch with his spirit. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now we're going to be, we are. You don't have to go around wondering, am I saved? The Spirit begins to bear witness with your spirit. Hey, that's my Father. I'm a child of God. You don't have to wonder if you're born again. You know whether you're born again or not. The Spirit bears witness with your spirit. Amen? Nobody could convince you any other way. I know in whom I believe. Because I'm in touch with him. His spirit speaks to me. He talks to me. He makes himself real to me through the Spirit. And I know that I'm a child of God. People tell you you can't know whether you're saved or not. John said these things are written that you might know that you're saved. I, I, I remember one time I, I, I was, uh, we had a youth group that met at Martville and one of my assistant, uh, Mary Ellen, well, you remember Mary Ellen came here? She was my assistant at that time, and she, she was telling these kids, you know, you can know that you're saved. And you can, you don't have to ask anybody, you can know whether you're saved or not. Because you'll feel it right in your heart, right in the, in your spirit, you'll know that you're saved. It says that 
His Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you're a son or a daughter of the king. And these kids took it all in, and they, they went home. And uh, See, I didn't know that some of them were Baptist kids. And they went home to their parents, and they said, you know, we can know if we're saved or not. The parents said, you're not going back to that church anymore. That's what they said. Because you can't know whether you're saved or not. Yes, you can. You can. His Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you're the Son of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. You see, we, we don't need to feel uh, distressed. We don't need to feel condemned. All we need to do is come and say, Father, forgive me. You know what? He says, that's all right, son. Go and sin no more. Isn't that what he does? George was telling about the time he blew up at somebody because he just hit himself in the jaw. And uh, then when he asked him to buy new jaws for, for his wrenches, the guy said, go get them yourself. And then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he told George, hey, what if the guy dies before you ask his forgiveness? You shouldn't act acted like that. And George went and asked for forgiveness. And whether the guy forgave him or not, that doesn't matter. He was responding to the Spirit of God. Amen? Hallelujah. You all know what I'm talking about. Praise the Lord. Second uh, Corinthians 13 and verse 5. I hope you bring your Bibles. You should, you know. And as we look at the Word, you should look at the Word with us because it reinforces what I'm saying. Don't, don't just sit and listen. That's, you get distracted too easy that way. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13.5. It says here, and, and, and it's, a, it's a challenge. It says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Prove yourselves. Do you not know yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you? In the King James it says, unless you be a reprobate, right? Here it says, unless indeed you are disqualified. You know whether the Spirit's in you or not, don't you? And God's saying, hey, examine yourself. See if, see if it... You got that spirit that's bearing witness with your spirit that you're the Son of God. The fourth one here, we're talking about the seven spirits. The fourth spirit, he's the spirit of holiness. Romans 1 4. talks about Jesus Christ, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. When we have done wrong, 
the Holy Spirit's going to tell you about it. You know why he's called the Holy Spirit? Because he's holy. <laughs> yeah. And you know, a Holy Spirit doesn't live in an unclean vessel. Holiness, a holy, holiness really means separated unto God for his use only. The holy vessels in the sanctuary were for God's use only, for worship services, to use, be used by the priests and, and uh, the Levites. And they were holy because they were set aside for God's use. The Holy Spirit is for God only. And he's going to, if he lives in you, you're going to live a holy life. You see, that's why I believe that this Pentecostal movement started with the holiness movement. You had a bunch of people that were trying to be holy unto God. Maybe they were going around, around it in some, some wrong ways. You know, it's not in the plaiting of hair and, and uh, whether or not you wear long dresses or whether you have a button up around your neck or whether you wear jewelry or not. That's not what it's all about. And God bless these people. At least they were trying to be holy unto God. And because they were trying to be holy unto God, God began to pour out his Spirit upon them. And I think that the further we move away from holiness, the less we're going to see of the Holy Spirit. Amen or ouch or something, but that's the truth. And I believe we've got to get back to holiness because he's a Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And if we want to see God moving in our services, the closer you get to God and the more holy you become, in other words, the more you become just for God's use only, the closer you'll be to God and the more you'll see of the Holy Spirit in your life. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings conviction it brings repentance. And if you're a Christian, you'll be dealt with by the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, the Spirit will check you in a moment when you're wrong. And you need to listen to Him. You need to follow it. If He says, I want you to go and make it right with sister so-and-so, you better go and do it. I want you to go and witness to so-and-so. Go and do it. I think that we ought to be led by the Spirit of God. And if we're truly led by Him, we're going to be more holy because we'll be more holy His. More dedicated. And uh, your heart's going to be pierced every time you you do a transgression. I mean, it'll tear you apart. 
if you're really living for God, right? And you'll have no peace in your life until you, until you get that thing right. Hallelujah. I know. I, I go through it just the same as everybody else. There comes a purging. How many know what purging is? The only time I've ever heard God's audible voice, I hadn't been saved very long or hadn't been baptized in the Spirit very long, and we were at, sl uh, at sleep, and uh, I, was, I heard a voice. You know, in the book of Revelation, it says it's like the voice of many waters. To me, it was like it came through a megaphone. And he spoke one word to me, purge. And I came straight up out of the bed. And I'm telling you, fear gripped me. Purge. I ran out into the living room and I got the dictionary. What on earth is purge? And my wife come running out and she said, What's the matter? What's the matter? I said, God just said purge. I don't know what it means. And it means to bring to a roaring boil like they do uh, some metals. They bring it to a roaring boil and all the scum comes to the top. And then they skim it off so that it becomes pure. And God says, I want you to purge. I want that scum to come to the top that I can skim it off. That's what God wants in your life. Do you know it hurts when, it, when, when that starts to boil? It's very uncomfortable. That boiling. You're so used to doing things your old way, and the moment you start to do it, God says, No, no. Uh uh. The Bible says you've got to do it this way. And it goes right against your grain because you still got that old nature at work over there. And you say, All right, by faith, here I go. And you find out, hey, wait a minute, this is nicer than the other way anyway. How many know what I'm talking about? That's, what, that's what's got to happen in your life. Maybe you're having a problem with anger. Maybe you just flare up. And your first instinct is to hit people. And God is going to purge you by his spirit and what he what he does is he says uh-uh do good unto them that despitefully use you he says by doing this you heap coals upon their head see and you begin to uh, do good to them that are doing bad to you it's contrary to nature how many of you know that it, it, it just goes right against your grain to begin with? I mean, what you want to give him is a knuckle sandwich, right? And boy, I'm telling you, I used to have such a rotten temper. 
And that was the first thing God began to deal with. And you got to give in to God. You got to give in to God. And the more you give in, the easier it is to give in. Amen? <clears throat> Don't quench the Spirit when He tells you something. Begin to move. And I want to tell you something. God does not condone sin. I had a man tell me one time, his name was put up for uh, being an elder in the church. And I called him in and I said, Brother, I know that you smoke. I said, Would you give up smoking to do what God has called you to do? He said, I haven't been convicted of that. I just can't see where a man could go on and on doing that without being under conviction. God didn't put a chimney on top of your head. and <laughs> If he'd have made you for smoke, he'd have put a chimney up there. Amen. And I said, I said to him, do you believe that God speaks through his ministers? He said, yes. I said, well, I'm telling you, you've got to give up smoking. Now you've been convicted of it. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, fifth. He's the spirit of supplication. And I'll just give you the reference. Zechariah 12.10. How many of you really need help in your prayer life? <laughs> Without the Spirit of God, you just can't pray the way you ought to. That's what it says over in Romans 8, 26. The Spirit makes intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. Thank God for His Spirit when it comes to praying. Amen? Oh, man. I'm at a loss. And you know, over... Luke 11, and you can read it later, his disciples came to him and they said, teach us to pray. So he gave them a little model prayer, you know, not that they should repeat it over and over again, but he gave them a little prayer, and, and prayer should include these things, okay? And then he said that... We were to ask and to seek and to knock. And he said, uh, if you were being evil, knew how to give good gifts, how much more would your heavenly Father give the Spirit to them who ask? In other words, he was telling them, if you really want to be able to pray, you've got to have the Spirit. If you don't have the Spirit, ask God. And he's not going to give you something bad. You know, a lot of people think, oh, they hear Holy Ghost. I, I, I don't want the ghost. You know? 
Hey, listen. It's an unseen power. He's the third person in the Trinity. And he's not here to hurt you. He's here to help you. He's the same thing to you that Jesus was to his disciples. Another comforter, another counselor. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And he says, if you want to pray, just ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for this other comforter. Ask for this other counselor. Ask for the promise that the Father has given. And he's not going to give you some evil spirit. Some people think that if they ask for the Holy Spirit, they might get the wrong spirit. Really? And they're scared to death. But that's why that scripture's there. It says he's not going to, if you ask for a, for a loaf of bread, he's not going to give you a stone. He's going to give you what you asked for. What did you ask for? You asked for the Holy Spirit. You didn't ask for, the, for an evil spirit. You asked for the Holy Spirit. And God's going to give you what you asked for. And he's the spirit of supplication. Without him, you can't pray the way you ought to pray. He enabled you to express your deepest feelings. Feelings that you can't even put into words. After you've told God, I love you, and, and you've really got that love in your heart for God, okay? After you told God you loved him, a few hundred times, you run out of words. There's got to be another way of telling God I love him. There's got to be some way of expressing what I feel in my heart. And the English language will not serve you to express what you're really feeling. Or when you're uh, mourning over a loved one, Hey, listen, Christians mourn too. And Christians cry. And Christians feel a sense of loss. And no one knows how you feel like, like Jesus. And he's able to take those feelings and put them into words so that you can pray the way you ought to pray. Amen? Hallelujah. There's a purpose to speaking in tongues. It's not just so that you can go around feeling holier than thou. It's to enable you to pray. Amen. It's your prayer language. And he helps us to pray according to the will of God. How many of you know what the will of God is all the time? I don't. Sometimes I, I'm at a loss. But you know, the Spirit makes intercession for me according to the will of God. And, it, and if I pray according to the will of God, then I know that he hears me, and I know that I have that for which I petition. Amen? Okay.
Number six, he's the spirit of truth. Isaiah broke down truth into six areas in Isaiah 11. says, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and you can, you can underline them here, the Spirit of the Lord shall be upon him, the Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And some people, in some commentaries, when you read them, they'll say, the seven spirits that are talked about over in Revelation and they'll refer you to Isaiah 11. And I believe that the Holy Spirit does bring wisdom and understanding and counsel and strength and knowledge and the fear of the Lord and the comprehension of his word. I believe all of those are ours when we have the Holy Spirit. Christ said of himself, I am the truth. See, he had the truth dwelling right in him. Because God is truth. Amen? And when you got Jesus dwelling in you, you're living in truth. You could point to yourself and say, I'm the truth. This is the way you should live if you're living according to the truth. Amen? Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. How many of you can say that? <laughs> follow me as I follow Jesus? How many of you would like people to follow the way you live? Right down to the letter. I think I got room for improvement before I say that. Follow Jesus. I'll point to Jesus and you follow him. <laughs> Amen. Hopefully I'm a little more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. Hallelujah. He's the spirit of truth. He's not a lie. The devil is a lie. And he tells you a lie. But the Spirit wrote this word. It was inspired of God. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. God breathed. It's the truth. And last of all, the seventh one. He's the Spirit of glory. Romans 8. Romans 8 and verse 18. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now remember, we've got a glory in us that's going to be revealed. Now I'll go over to 1 Peter 4. First Peter 4 and verse 12. Beloved, 
Do not think it strange concerning fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you uh, partake of Christ's sufferings, that when the glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. The spirit of glory rests upon you whenever you suffer for the for Christ's sake. Whenever you're suffering for Christ's sake, not because uh, you brought it up on yourself, but because of Christ, for Christ, you're suffering for Christ's sake, the spirit of glory is resting upon you. People, one thing God told me when I first became a Christian, I had these people persecuting me on the ship and I went to God, and I was upset, and God, how come? Did you, ever, did you ever go to God that way? God, how come? It's a good way to go, because he usually will listen to you and, and get your head screwed on right and talk to you and pat you on the back and get you going again. I went to him, and I said, how come? And he said, son, those that are persecuting you are the ones that I'm dealing with. And what they're fighting against is what they see in you.